You know, most of us walk around with that in mind. I'm either half full today or half empty today. And neither of those are the place where we were intended as believers, as Christ followers, to walk. We were intended to walk every day running over. And that's how we, this is how we were intended to walk every day, out of the overflow of what God's doing, what he's done around us, what he's done in the past, what he's doing in the present, what he wants to do in the future. And when we can see life through that lens, we'll need to be half empty or half full. We'll live out of the abundance. We'll live out of the overflow. You think, how can I get there with the circumstances that I'm seeing, that I'm facing in my world? Well, it depends on whether your circumstances are defining you or whether this book is defining you. It depends on whether your circumstances say, this is who you are, or your circumstances say, no, this is where you are today. How we look at life has a lot to do with whether we see it as half empty or half full or neither of those. What we were designed for, John, John 1, uh, 1.10 says that, you've come to, that I've come to you might have life and have it more abundant, have it to the fullest, have it living out of the overflow of where you are. Now, we're going to look today in Colossians chapter 1 at this context of living from the, from the vantage point of a, of a full family. We're going to see that in the Father and the Son, but I want to translate that to where we live in, in the family units that we have, not only in this church, but in your world. So turn to Colossians chapter 1. Let's look at verses 15 to 20 together. And then come back and glean what, what the Lord would have from it before us this morning. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now the first thing I want us to see as it relates to family fullness today is family fullness, first of all, starts with the Father. Starts with the Father. Look at verse 15 again. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over, over all creation. The Son is the image of the invisible God. You want to see what the Father looks like? Look at the Son. You want to see what the Father stands for? Look at the Son. Now, this word, <clears throat> excuse me, image here in the Greek has nothing to do with likeness, but rather sameness. So it, it, he's, he's not the mirror image of his Father as you look at them physically, necessarily. And we see that in Revelation as well. But his ways, his mannerisms, his, you, you can see that in, you can, you, you can, I can see that in, in the gate of how, how a son walks in comparison to the father, especially if they're together. If there's, if the father's got a real loose gait when he walks, that son's going to have a real loose gait when he walks. If the father's pretty tight when he walks, that son's going to be pretty tight too. You can see that in the offspring. Why? That little bitty kid is looking at that father for how to do life, for what to look like, how to walk, how to, how to talk, how to. And so as, as we have that kind of influence over our, over our kids, it's important, as that we know and see this starts with us. It starts with us in every home. So this, this idea of thinking the same way and seeing life through the same lens. Dad, do you know what a dad running on empty produces? Produces sons and daughters who run on empty too. I think that's okay. I think that's the way life's supposed to work. Well, it isn't. It isn't for you, and it wasn't, it's not to be for them as well. That's why it's vital to your kids and to their kids and to their kids and to their kids because this, this reproduces itself generation after generation. Our default system is what we see growing up. 
If we can make conscious efforts, I, I've been doing a lot of premarriage counseling lately. Got some more to come. But I always talk about the default system. This is, this is where you start, the home you grew up in, good or bad. The examples you saw there, the, the morals you saw there, the values you saw in that home, that's where you start. And you can either absorb those and live those out in your own home or say, that doesn't look like this. And I would go there, my life, my marriage, my family look like this. So I'm going to leave well-meaning parents aside and say that, that was good for them, but I'm heading in, in, a, in a different direction consciously and continually day after day to say, that's not what I want. I want that. That's not where I want my life to go, my marriage to go, my family to go. I'd rather go in this direction. So we've got to unlearn and unsee almost that default system that we grew up seeing. So that's a process of time. But dads, your kids tend to become you, whether you like that or not. And so it's very important that they, if, if we're walking around in emptiness, that we understand that there's consequences to that. There's consequences to seeing life half empty or half full instead of living out of the overflow. We aren't accountable, guys. And get this, we're not accountable to God for the decisions that your kids make, especially your grown kids. You're not accountable for those decisions. You are accountable for what they see in you every day. You're accountable for that. And that starts with you and me as fathers. He was the image here, the scripture says, of his father, meaning there was sameness there. When you looked at God, saw the nature of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God, the lens that God looks through, his son looks through the same lens, sees life that way. And our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids are supposed to see life through that lens as well. It starts with the Father. Family fullness, secondly, is the glue to connections. Look at verses 16 and 17 with me. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. In him all things were created. and In, in, in him, this passage said, all things hold together. He's the source of life, he says here, and the glue that keeps it intact. Now, Psalm 139 speaks to the fact that before we were created, before we were born, the Lord saw us in our mother's womb. He says, I saw you there. I knit you together. I formed, 139 says, your inward parts. I formed, I formed who you are, what really makes you up, and what gives you value. Uh, from, from conception to connection all the way through life, I, I, I'm with you and I'm in you. Now, I've shared together with you before the importance of laminin to how our cell structure holds together. Here's, here's a graphic that, I, that I've shared with you before as well, that you'll see that in our, in our very DNA, in how our, the, 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 the very cross members of how our cells are held together look like the cross, doesn't it? Saying that I am in you, I formed you, and I will always be with you, and I will always be in you. You can't do anything apart from me. So he's saying here that in, your, in the very core of your DNA, of who you are, I'm already there. I'm there forming, forming that, that image and that, that sense of who you are, what you're about, what is important to you. So He's at the genetic core of who we are and created to be so that you are not who you are and where you are today by accident. You were born to the family you were born into, when you were born to that family, in the, in the city you were born. All those things are designed by God. It's important that we see that because why? He has plans for us and goals for us and dreams for us and design for us here. And we're always looking, man, it's greener over there. It's more fertile over there. It's easier over there. There's more money over there. There's more time over there. He says, no, I've not got you over there. I've got you here, and I've got you here now for the here and now of who, who, who your life is rubbing against. It's important that we see that, grasp that, because he's the glue to those connections that are held together. So that if, if, if you are where you are at the intentional hand of God, and we are, then there's design to how he brings us about. There's design to what he brings to family, to the fullness we experience and glean from each other. And that fullness he's saying here is him. 
Is, that fullness is not just laminate and cell structure. That fullness is the presence of Almighty God in us, who, who know Him as Savior, who claim to follow Him as our Savior and Lord. I'm in you, I'm with you, I'm for you. You can go nowhere to escape from me. He is, he is Himself the source of that fullness. That's true in holidays. It's true in birthday experiences. What you, what you sense when your family gets together in those, t- in those times is somewhat emotional, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to discount the emotion of that, but what you sense in the fullness of those times is, is the fullness of God with you. What you experience in those birthday celebrations, in the, in the, in the marriage, in, the, in those birth, birth of a kid, a grandkid, what you're experiencing in those full family times that are creating memories and bonding for you is the fullness of God. Now, he says here that I am in those moments with you and for you. I've created them for you, to be in, in, in with you and for you. And the fullness you sense there, the joy you sense there, the memories that you're creating there are memories that I've placed in your heart and in your mind. Whereas most of us think, no, that's just... That's just the joy of family getting together. Yes, it is, but God created that very joy. He designed family from from the very get-go, from the very beginning, and he designed it to be full. It it is full because he is full in us. So all our family fullness comes as a result of being connected to him. Now, there's a distinct difference between fun and fullness. Because sometimes, depending on the lens you look at life through, life doesn't look very fun, does it? I was talking talking actually to, to Sammy this past week about growing up becoming a grown-up. And life looks, when you're a kid, you think, man, if I'm, when I get a grown-up, I can do whatever I want to do. I have freedom. I, I go where I want to go, whenever I want to go. And it suddenly dawned on her that as an adult, who's about to be married to Ronnie here, suddenly dawned on her that as an adult, this isn't what it was cracked up to be. This grown-up stuff is not fun. There's bills. There's responsibilities. There's places I got to be at a certain time. There's there's not the freedom that I thought there would be. It's not always cracked up as I thought. And, and it's, it's exactly why we look through the lens of life at, at fullness instead of funness. Because, let's face it, sometimes life isn't very fun. The circumstances, at least, of life isn't very fun. He says, though, even in those situations where the fun's not there, the fullness can be if I'm there. If you acknowledge me, there's a difference between fun and fullness. One, in fact, is fun, fun is temporary, and fullness sustains us. Fullness carries us from one experience to the next. Starts with the Father and is the glue to connections. Thirdly, family fullness is the key to forgiveness. Look at verses 19 and the first part of verse 20 with me. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. To reconcile to himself all things. How? Well, verse 19 speaks of this. Out of the Father's fullness dwelling in the Son. The fullness of the Father being imparted to the Son. Here's this sameness again that we saw in the verses earlier, saying as you look at the Father, you see the fullness of the Father in the, through the lens of the Son. And he's saying here that the, these are two things that come into play. Um, and if, you're, if you've been a parent or are a parent, you know that you've sacrificed for your kids, right? You, you make sometimes great sacrifices for them. It's part of life as a parent of seeing, I want, I want these kids to experience this, and I'll, I'll make sacrifices to make sure this experience happens. As we sacrifice things, he's saying that here. That's, that's the context of this, of this idea of reconciliation and forgiveness. He's saying here two things. One is that reconciliation and forgiveness is, a, is impossible apart from the fullness of God, that it comes from, reconciliation comes from rightness, connectedness, reconnectedness, comes from the fullness of God. He makes that possible. The second thing he's saying is that true reconciliation is going to require some sacrifice. He sacrificed for us on the cross. That's what... It, that's what a, a great picture of reconciliation looks like and the, the degree <clears throat> to which we should be willing to sacrifice for each other, certainly our family. 
So if we're not willing to die to self, he's saying here that forgiveness and reconciliation is going to be a hard see. It's going to be a hard grasp. It's going to be a hard do. Reconciliation follows forgiveness, and without that, it's impossible. So question with us for us today, how far are you willing to go to experience true reconciliation? Has there been somebody in your life, maybe even in your family, but somebody in your world that that relationship's been severed? Maybe you don't even know how it's been severed, but God wants that reconciled. How, will, how far are you willing to go to sacrifice to, to see that reconciled? Certainly in a family member, maybe in, 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 a, in a, what was a close friend at one time. How far are you willing to go to see reconciliation occur? Well, some sacrifices are going to have to be made if you get there. He's saying here that I made sacrifices for you to be reconciled, and if you, if you want to experience reconciliation yourself, true forgiveness, <clears throat> you're going to experience that in the fullness that I provide as motivation and, and, and possibility for that to happen. So if, wherever you stop, in, in this process of reconciliation is where he picks it up and carries it for you, for you even further to bring healing, to bring re- reconciliation to all of that. Verse 20 says that he's able to reconcile to himself <clears throat> all things. You know what all things means? It means all things, everything. There is no, re- there is no relationship that is so severed he can't restore it. There is no loss so deep that he can't bring in reconciliation to it. There is no hurt. There's no pain. There's no circumstance that he can't use to bring glory and honor to himself and healing and restoration to you. Divorce is devastating. Loss is devastating. Job loss is devastating. Career change. Those, those, are, those are milestones in, the li- in our lives that hit us in the, in the face with a ball bat sometimes. Yet he says, I can reconcile all of that. I can make all of that right. I can make all of that. I can, I can make that to where you glean something from it as opposed to it being a thorn that you carry around the rest of your life. That's how he works. That's how the fullness of God works in family to restore and reconcile based on how willing we are to forgive. So he's saying that all things means all things. There's nothing off limits to him. He knows every, every sinew of every muscle in your fiber. He's placed the laminin in every cell, cell in your body. He sees you. He knows who created you in your mother's womb, uh, Psalm 139 says. He sees you before you were formed, knows everything about you, what motivates you, what drives you, what fulfills you, what what you're angry about, what you, what you get sad about. Sees every bit of that beforehand and wants to walk us through those things, all things, reconciling those things to himself. What is he saying? He's saying if it concerns you, it concerns me. If it's important to you, it's important to him. And he wants us to see that there are no off-limits areas to say, you're struggling with finances, I'm the answer to finances. Struggling with marriage, I'm the answer to marriage. Struggling with career, I'm the answer to career. Struggling with cancer, struggling with physical illnesses, I am that. I created you. I can heal you. He's saying that I am all things to all things, and there's nothing off limits to me. Family fullness starts with the Father. Is the glue to connections. Is the key to forgiveness. Here's the final part. Best part. Save the best for last. Family fullness is refueled. At the cross. Look at the last part of verse 20 with me. Through him to reconcile to himself all things. Watch this. Where the things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Paul is saying three things here, both metaphorically and literally. And they're this. One, that the cross is the clearest example of the fullness of Christ. It's the clearest example of the fullness of Christ. Saying secondly, that it is also the cross, is also life's fuel pump. It's where we pull up to to refill ourselves. He's also saying in the latter part of verse 20 that the blood of Christ is the fuel 
and refuel us again and again and again and again. So that here we are with this, this idea that the cross is the clearest example of his, of his fullness. It, it, it is in itself the fuel pump where we pull our, to, to, to refuel and re, rekindle our life and our faith and our passion and the things we've lost, our drive, our motivation. And the blood of Christ is the fuel to fuel all that. Now, for some of you, it may be a little, a little gory image to think of, of sharing in the blood of Christ. That's exactly what the Lord's table is about in communion, to, to remember the fact that apart from the blood of Christ, we're toast and we're lost. Yet with the blood of Christ, all is redeemed. All things can be made new. So what is he saying here? Let's revisit that over and over and over and over again. We've, uh, we've started a little collection of crosses back here on the hallway outside of the bathrooms. And the thing I like most about that is no two are the same. Some have a little, little patina on them. They've weathered some. Some look kind of new. Some look in pristine condition. Some look like they've been through the mill. And that's how we look, isn't it? Some of us look like we were depending on our week or our month or our world. We look kind of pristine. Until you get to be old and then you look just crusty. But you, you, you tend to be pristine for a while and you, you move from, from that into mileage and patina and life. And things that tend to move you from here to here. You want to, how do I get back to here again? How do I get back to walking in the truth of in the truth of God and seeing life through, through the lens that says, he's defined me, he's loved me, he's died for me. He, he wants me to revisit that, that sacrifice over and over again, to receive that again and again and again and again, to fill me up again and again and again, and yet here I am choosing to walk through life, seeing life through, through this lens. It's half, it's half empty every day. He says here that the cross is, is the refueling station that, that makes that happen, and consequently... We need, and our culture needs to see. In fact, somebody should name a church after the cross, cross point or something. But we, we, need, we need to revisit the cross over and over and over and over again. Why? Because it is the source by which we, we become refueled. It's the source by which we are filled again and again and again. It's the source by which we see life through a different lens. Why? Because it, it washed everything clean. It made all things here new, brand new, and can do that again and again over and over again, regardless of loss, regardless of hurt, regardless of circumstances, regardless of pain, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's financial, whether it's marital, whether it's emotional, it can be left at the cross and healed there and, and, and covered with the fullness of Christ, his blood shed on the cross. So that's where we go when we're empty, when we're poor, when we're broken, when we're, when we're downtrodden, when, we're, when life has beat us down, we go back to the cross. Matthew 5 begins the Beatitudes by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what he's saying? Blessed are the empty. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are, the, blessed are those who come to me empty and spent and wrung out and washed out, because theirs is the kingdom of God. All that is the kingdom of God and all that it offers is yours, he says, when you feel empty. So as we go to him with poor spirits, he says, I'll refill that. I'll refuel that. And I'll do so by helping you revisit the cross of Christ, and refuel on the blood of Christ. Apart from that, everything else tends to fade pretty quickly. But as we go back there again and again at the foot of the cross, we tend to find ourselves for who we were designed to be. Maybe not for who we are today, but for who we were designed to be. So here's a, here's a question as we wrap up. That's this. You know what your family needs? Your family needs the same thing my family needs and the same thing this family needs. We need to experience the fullness of God. 
We need to revisit the cross of Christ and experience the fullness of God. Why? Because I've come that you might have life and that you might have life to the fullest, that your life may overflow in abundance, that it, it, that the, the glass can, can, can't contain it any longer, that you tend to live life out of the overflow of who God's designed you to be instead of who, who this world is defining you to be. I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. So whether on fumes or whether in fullness or whether somewhere in between those two places, that's a matter of choice of how you live today. You can choose to live life on fumes thinking this is as good as it's ever going to get. This is, this is just how my life is. Or you can tend to look at, look at Colossians 1 and many other passages we've looked at it through this series and say, no, it's not. I've not, des- I've not been designed to be that. I've been designed to walk and live and experience his fullness day after day after day, regardless of my circumstances, to experience his fullness again and again and again. How do I get there? I get there by revisiting the cross of Jesus and receiving the blood of Christ afresh again to remind me of that choice being mine, to revisit, revisit him and to be refilled with him. Now, that sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? Like, well, that's something a pastor might say. How's that going to help me tomorrow? Can I encourage you to, that symbolism, sometimes substance tends to follow symbolism, that if you have a cross as a necklace, as a shirt, as a, as a piece of jewelry, if you'll wear it, one day this week, I'm, I, I guarantee you'll look at life that day through a different lens because the Spirit will remind you that cross matters to you. It's more than just a piece of jewelry. It's more than just an item of clothing. It's more than just what you think it is, and it is because as we go there again and again and we see the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus for you and for me, that should change us. It should, it should push us into, I'm not going to settle for half empty anymore. I'm not going to walk through life looking at a half-empty lens and at a half-empty life and saying, that's just who I am because it's not. It's not who we were designed and destined to be. We were designed and destined to walk in the fullness of God, to live out of the abundance of who he is, not of what we have, but of who he is. Is that, is that something we're willing to lay down day after day and say, I, I'm empty and I'm poor and I'm broken and I'm nothing without you, but because of the cross and the blood of Christ, I put that on. I clothed myself with that today to say I'm going to walk differently today. I'm going to see life differently through a lens that says the fullness of him dwells in you. A lens that says I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not what you've settled for. Let's pray.